welcome to another episode of Beyond Four Walls. As usual, I'm your host, Abel, with Anthony. Anthony, how you doing? Good. God bless everybody. And today we have, uh, it goes by many names, uh, Manuelito, Manuel, Manny. Um, I'll let him let us know what name he wants to use today, but he's a brother in Christ. He's known me since I've been 10 years old. So he's known me for a really long time since I moved here from when I moved to Florida he was uh, his father's church I attended, and then I worked with him hand in hand in uh, a church we led, uh, he, church he led in the Orlando area. But um, don't want to take too much. I don't want. I'll let you introduce yourself, uh, uh, Manny. Manny. Hey, boy, thank you, uh, Anthony. Also, thank you guys for allowing me to be in this uh, episode uh, without walls. And it's a privilege, it's an honor, just to share a few words with you guys. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm known by many names, Manuel, Manuelito, Manny, Pastor Manny, uh, but just for the sake of just our conversation, you just call, go ahead and call me Manny. Um, that's more of a not too protocol, you know, <laughs> just, let's just flow with it. But again, it, it, thank you guys for, um, for allowing me to be here and knowing Abel for that many years, you know, and knowing how God has been progressing his ministry and how he's been able to network connect also with anthony you know and just growing in in, in the faith and just being a positive reinforcement role model uh again it's, it's nice to see that and see that people are speaking the truth and just speaking and uh, allowing us to be part of that so thank you um yeah so manny i do appreciate like i said you coming on um i think it's uh, a good a great story that you have and i think it's important as a church and as a body of christ that we're able to really dive into certain things um one of the things you're you're most known for is being a pastor um and your journey with it but uh i kind of want to go general with with the idea of pastorship obviously that's probably the most well-known position within church for church members but also people that are unbelievers that's probably the most well-known position outside of non-believers that they're aware of um, and I kind of just wanted to uh, kind of dive into the idea of the burden of perfection that is like put on to pastors and that idea that pastors always have to be perfect. They can never commit no sin. And if they do, they're either they have to step down or they're chastised or people are like, you know, that's why we don't go to church because people like that. So how do you view that idea of like perfection being put placed on to pastors? And do you think that should be a reality? Wow, that's uh, that's a good question. Um, the Bible speaks about, you know, how a bishop or a pastor should be, and how they should live their life. Again, um, being a, a speaker of the truth and of the Bible, and using altar, and using that area or that altar period just to preach the word, um, you're preaching something that you have to live. So you have to. In, in certain ways, you know, really strive for that perfection. Yeah, we're not perfect. And, and, and I think that's the burden. I think knowing that we're not perfect and being afraid of, of failing, uh, that brings a lot of stress. You know, it brings a lot of stress, not only to the minister's leadership, but like you said in general, just the word pastor. I think the word pastor um, is, is, is being used lightly today. It's being used lightly. Everybody has a title as a pastor, pastor this, pastor that. 
you know, and not understanding the burden that it brings. And like you're saying, you know, uh, uh, are being afraid of failing is one of the things that create that type of atmosphere of if it's perfect, if it's not perfect, why should I go to church? You know, and you know what? Let me say this. Let me let me bring this up. It's just like a, a, a police officer. Fortunately, you have people that's tarnished the badge, and when you step into that profession, mm-hmm. you're already carrying, you know, those burdens from mistakes, past from mistakes, prior yeah. mistakes. You know, so being a pastor, all of these things that you see that comes out to light, you know, when you step into that, or even if you're in, your people are already seeing or only seeing that mistake. Well, he's a pastor. Well, he does this, 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 and that. So they're only seeing that tarnish. They're not really seeing the big picture, you know. So again, this is we can just kind of dab into a lot more with that. Yeah, Anthony. You know, being, you know, pastor. I mean, Manny, you've been part of uh, the pastorship. Um, how do you see that being a member, Anthony? Obviously, um, we grew up in church. How do you see the the burden of a, a pastor showing that example? Yeah, I mean. Like Manny says, it's a responsibility once you have, you know, we we think of it just as a title or oh, he's a pastor, that's his title, he's an evangelist, it's a title. Yeah, it's a title, but it's, it's a position, it's a responsibility that God has put on you. And with that, with that responsibility, there comes, you know, certain... You have influence over people. So people are going to, no matter how hard you try or how many times you say it to people, like, I'm just a man, you know, it's it's going to happen by default. Whether even even in, in, in secular society, your your boss, your manager, your supervisor, you're you're always going to hold somebody else that's a know, higher position, higher leadership in, in leadership. Yeah, you're going to hold them to a higher standard because you know, they have that, that title on them. So whether, you know, we should or we shouldn't, it's going to happen. So we, we hold them to a higher standard. And, you know, the Bible says it, that as a, the pastors have a responsibility to the sheep, he's going to, he, when they go in front of his throne, he's going to, that's, that's going to be part of their judgment is I gave you a, a flock to, 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 to shepherd. Yeah. And, you know, so when it comes to 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 that, it, it's really important. And as you know, as a as a member of a church, you 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 do want to see your your leader, your pastor, living right because you want to strive for that as well. So yeah, I see it. It's both parts. As part from God, you're required to, but also as a member, having a leader. So you hope that they are living what they're saying. Yeah. So I, I, I see that. So like to push back a couple of things. Uh, so when we look, I mean, I guess Paul's a unique story because he's never really was a pastor, but a lot of his thoughts and, and his concepts and precepts were, you know, we use them to apply for modern day church. Um, but one of the things he always explained and even showed it was his vulnerability of his past mistakes. Um, how do you kind of, mm-hmm. how do we, uh, uh, Manny, how do you kind of like balance that of like, okay, like I need to show vulnerability to show the idea of like, you know, we're all humans, all this stuff. But at the same time, like you said, uh, Anthony, like showing, okay, 
there is a standard that we need to keep and I want to show you that example. So how do you balance that like that balance of hey, I need vulnerability, we're all human, I messed up, but also showing the standard of Christ. Hey, you know what? Let let me let me uh read something for you real quick. This is Hebrews 13 uh verse 17 it says, "Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognizing the authority over you." For they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their um, stewardship of you. Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans, uh, groans for this would be off no benefit to you. Pretty much what it's saying is that's that's one of the issues that we encounter nowadays you know the the people the flock you know the way they are doing things create also uh uh a sense of incomodo with pastors you know and this is just saying hey let's have a great atmosphere so that what the pastors can do their job joyfully yeah you know and the, that's the thing you know and for me that sums it up because there's so much burden Hey, and, the, and being a, a minister, there's so much burden with everything, not only spiritually, mental health, you know, um, crisis, losses, you know, you have to, you, we walk a thin line. So by walking a thin line, you know, and just like Anthony was saying, uh, you're a pastor, you have that title. So people are looking at you, they're expecting you to know everything and to help them guide them. And unfortunately, sometimes you got to grab them by the hand. You know, and just walk them through situations. But um, no matter what you do in your life, personal, business, whatever it is, uh, and also ecclesiastic, uh, ecclesiastical, uh, you're going to have those burdens. And you need to find a common ground uh, to be able to release these stress mm -hmm. in order to be effective you know, in order to be uh, affected all, not only personally, but on the word, you know, what you're trying to project, because if you're upset or overcharged, they're going to really perceive that. So, again, that kind of gives you and people that come in, new people, uh, people that don't know the Lord, you know, they're going to see, well, I told you so. These are pastors. These are, the, you know, look at the way they, they, they talk. They only talk about this, talk about that. And they forget about the human side, the personal side of it, you know, so, um, having a way of de-stressing, de-stressing will always help, um, to, uh, be effective in what they have to do and to, and to carry the load, Abel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, go ahead, Anthony. That's why, like, like you were speaking about the balance, because, there's a lot of pastors, especially, you know, us growing up Pentecostal, they were completely the other way. It was all, uh, I, I can't show any weakness. I can't be vulnerable because I'm their right. leader. So I have, to, right. I have to be perfect. So they put on this mask of like perfection. That's the baby and boomers. Then that, that, yeah. And that's why so many people that Rumble. follow them, when they make a mistake, they just, church leaves and people just separate and stuff. And the opposite is, being too vulnerable and and people no longer treat you as a leader they just treat you as as another member or whatever so it's about finding that balance where 
yes, you can be vulnerable to show that human side of you to your flock, but you also got to remember to that you are their leader and you're you're set to a a higher standard, so to speak. That's a really thin line. So, yeah, but also remember you have to you have to know how much how much vulnerability you allow to who. Because, for example, the Bible says that to the to the multitude he spoke in parables. So kind of like a riddle, kind of, mm-hmm. so they can understand it. But to the twelve, he spoke mysteries. So they're they're showing that there's to the people he around him that he can confide in. He would reveal more things, open up a little more. So to the masses, it was more parables and a screen in front. Then to the twelve, he would open a, a little more. And then to the three that he took to the mountain, he was wide open. He showed their, his weakness. He would pray. He took him to the mountain. So that that's how it should be. Like, yes, show some vulnerability, but you gotta make you gotta remember that's your flock. You gotta treat him as such as well. Then that's why that's why we have to build relationships, especially as a pastor. You can't you can't be a pastor that wants to do it all without a team and you wanna do everything because then you're gonna get burnt out. You don't have a team around you, people you can confide in and, and relieve some stress with and, and go out and do hang out, go play golf, go do something. So, yeah, it's a balance. Again, that's why I said baby boomers, because um, those pastors, you know, was one way or the highway. And Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. us as millennials, you know, we're learning to be more of taking the good. And, you know, we took it in. But now in the time that we're living, we're able to, you know, create that balance. Them, you know, it's very difficult for them is, hey, it's 100 percent. 100 miles per hour this way, you got to suck it up, you got to take it, you know, and it's been, and that's why you see a lot of our prior pastors fortunately dying because mm-hmm. of heart attacks, a lot of the yeah. cardiac, you know, their, their mentality is I'm dying with my boots on, I'm going to, you know, here, and, yeah. and they don't know how to deal or have that inner circle. Let me tell you this, pastors... Do not have friends. Whoever's listening to, to the podcast, you know, pastors do not have friends because they're always going to be looking for their own benefits. And if they have, and if you confide something to them, they're going to find a way just to twist it or just go forward with it. So like you were saying, the multitude, that inner circle, you know, the 12, but then he had the three. You know, mm-hmm. he had the one that laid in his chest he, when he went to the mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have, we have that. And that's something that if you do have it, you know, you need to, you need to uh, take care of it. And if you don't have it, learn, you know, learn to create a pastoral team, learn to, to have a leadership, learn to have, you know, uh, um, different people, you know, that you can delegate and work so that you as a leader, as a pastor, can be effective and focus on the word. And, and before I give it back to Abel, is like the apostles said, hey, you coming to me with the burden of the widows and all of that, you know, mm-hmm. it's not fair for us to focus on that. So let's 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 um raise some deacons. Let's have, you know, look at Stephen, but gave him specific um directrices to what he needed to choose mm-hmm. that they needed to have to be effective, you know, to work on that. And, and them as the apostles were able to focus and be in productive in the word, you know, and not burden themselves with the other things. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh it's like you said, it's a hard balance, but I think it's it's multi layered. Um, one of the things I think it's uh interesting is how many pastors are within local areas. Now, how do you kind of like one of the reasons why sometimes pastors are overburdened is not because of their desire to keep all the position and all the power, but it's because they literally don't have the resources to outsource it to other people because they don't have enough members, they don't have enough capital, they whatever the reason may be. How do you kind of like view that idea of like, well, you, you know, you see in the Bible, you know, there's a big example of, you know, how small, how a lot of small churches, but also like Paul is writing to these major churches that are, you know, they cover a large ground and portion of major cities. How do you view, mm-hmm. How do you view that idea of like certain cities, like certain streets, like, you know, going back to Poinciana, there's like 20 churches in one street. How do you view the idea of like we're dividing our own our own resources and hurting ourselves? Should we go back to the idea of one church per city? Does it matter if your preference or not? It's the church you're going to go to and that's the only choice. Or should we continue this idea of opening multiple churches nonstop? How do you kind of view that idea of uh, church openings or church planting? You know, I'd rather have churches than bars. So this is my thing. This is my thing. Unfortunately, right now, we are churches are known because of their um, councils. There's a different mm-hmm. you know, Pentecostal Church of God, Assembly. Um, Baptist. I mean, you, you can name it. You, you can name it. That's mm-hmm. in Poinciana, and that's where you have different denominations. So I don't think it's, it's about the denomination. If we are trying to project the truth, that is Christ, we should really embrace the word fellowship. It doesn't matter what council you're from. If we're creating an event for the community and we're supposedly preaching the truth, why can't we just come together and work in the community? And of course, you have congregations that are a thousand. You have congregations that are in the 500s. You got congregations that are in the 50s, 60, or 100. Not everybody wants to be in the big church. Not everybody wants to be in the small church. So you're able to really go, and this is the thing, allow yourself to be led by the Spirit to where He wants you to be planted so that you can be effective not only in the church, but in the community. You know, so um, again, Planting a church. Let me tell you this. Let, let's, let me talk about me. And again, if this is my point of view, if we are part of a council and we have a church in the city and and the church is growing and the people are coming, but you want to open one, another one two minutes away, you're creating a division from that mm-hmm. one church. And then yeah. you ask yourself, why are you not growing? Because what they're doing is, well, it's two minutes away from my house. This one is uh, five minutes away from my house. But then you're just dividing the resources. They have a passion. Then what you're going to create is like you can't go over there because it's my flocks. This is this. Mm-hmm. This is that. And then you want to plant another church a mile away. You know, so it's like, look. Again, it's all about concilio. De nuevo, concilio. Puede venir un albentista, te pone aquí. There's so many fishes in the ocean. You know, there's enough. There's enough. So I don't agree with with, with that. I, I like the concept of if you have a, gr- a good church and it's planted and it's growing and it hasn't and it's having the resources and you're able to be effective, 
you know, let's go that route. Now, if you start opening small ones of the same council, the same thing right around it, then you're dividing and then you're, 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 estás ahogando el crecimiento ministerial. You're cutting, you're cutting yourself with your own legs. Anthony, how do you kind of yeah. view that um, um, that idea of like multitude, multiple, multiple churches within a city and things like that? Yeah, I agree. Um, the problem is like Pastor Manny saying, when you have a council, when you have an entity that is in charge of a denomination, of a group, of whatever it is, what are they after? numbers right uh-huh. we got last year we had 50 churches now we have 75 uh last year we had 65 pastors now we have 100 so it's all about but this is why i'm not a pastor but what we should be gearing more to is because a lot of times we get confused church growth we confuse it because we're just looking at numbers. Oh, last year I had 120, now I have 150, so we're growing. But our, if we have that one church mentality, we're a body. My my Baptist brothers aren't a separate body. We're all part of the church, no matter what denomination. As long as obviously we're preaching truth, we're of the same body. Yeah. So the, the, that's the problem. We've created so many divisions, and and what did Jesus say? A kingdom divided can't stand. We've divided ourselves, even amongst its own denominations. The own council causes divisions within itself, and then now, oh, now this church is two minutes away, but I like this pastor better, so I'm, I'm gonna go over there. And to the point that I was saying about church growth. We, we say, oh, I went, I got 30 members this, this year, but those 30 members came from the church down the street, not, not actually people that we preached to that weren't Christian that converted. And that's, that's the problem that we have. And that's why, although, you know, growing up, I had an older pastor and a lot of the times when we have an old pastor, that's like old school, you know, sometimes we blame them because they don't. Like, I'm a person that likes to go to different churches and different services. If a friend invites me, whatever. And I, I remember growing up, a lot of times they'd be like, no, I don't want two guys going to that church. And then we would get upset and be, we would be like, oh, he's just old and he doesn't want. But, you know, we have to look at both sides of the cone. Yes, there's some pastors that are selfish. You know, they don't want to lose. They don't want to lose their sheep. So they want to hold them tight and stuff. But also we have to remember that. who so-and-so is preaching over there and what they might they might put on on you when they're speaking but i don't want to get off topic with that right now so <laughs> yeah the point is that said, we're creating division within our own self forget about other denominations within our own within our own denomination we're creating division by like Obviously, back then it was different because obviously there wasn't as Many. the population wasn't as great. But still, in the city of Orlando, maybe three or four sp- spread out strategically. But you don't need, for example, on Goldenrod, there's three MAs that are oh, within went, the same he, like five. You went detail with the names. <laughs> yeah, 
within the same five mile one street, a straight street. It's not even like a curves and it's no, it's the same street. It's like yeah, and and then it's like instead of splitting up the thing, how about we create a project, find a bigger location to fit everybody? But the problem is that a lot of you know, sadly to say, a lot of people proclaim themselves as pastors because they went to to a seminar or they put it on without going to it and they feel and the concilio feels the need of putting them as a pastor oh so we can say we have another pastor but all their members came from a, another church yeah so it's like the membership is not you're not growing not christianity it's, it's just, yeah it's all the same people transferring. yeah exactly it's all the same people yeah. so yeah like i was wanted to add to that is growing is fine you know having the right numbers is it's that's what it is it's um wow i just had a deja vu wow this is crazy um it's it's about it's about being effective and not having the issue of well i can't do this because i don't have the members that happens because you're splitting you're you're doing this you're doing that in the same in that same area you know, a lot of pastors suffer because, you know, yes, of their membership or because, you know, they're not doing the right, um, el trabajo evangelístico, no tienen un gran equipo o un plan, un plan, un norte para poder desarrollar la, la, la iglesia. Este, pero eh, tenemos que crecer, sí, tenemos que crecer. El ministerio evangelístico, Dios nos llamó a predicar a todos. So tenemos que crecer, tenemos que plantar la iglesia, tenemos que tener personas llamadas por Dios para que puedan ser efectivos en los lugares donde ellos están. El problema consiste, como acabas de decir, es si solamente lo estamos viendo numéricamente. Si, if we're only seeing the growth as a number, as, hey, I have an opportunity to put another church just so it can look good on paper, you know, that's a problem. You know, because... A lot of the a lot of the uh, ministers today they do stuff for today and they forget that there's a generation that's gonna have to fix a lot of the stuff yeah. they did, you know. Yeah. So um, as right now as this um, as this podcast, esta plataforma, the stuff that we're speaking, you know, is is more to to speak about the heart, speak about you know um, opinions and see what we're thinking about to really have people analyze and think and see what can they do better, you know, to be effective. Mm -hmm. And, and let me tell you this, a true revival is when you see people repenting. Yeah. A true revival is, you know, cuando la gente llega a una iglesia y hay arrepentimiento. La gente se, está, se están convirtiendo. No estamos hablando de chavo, no estamos hablando del mejor equipo, no estamos hablando si tenemos la mejor iglesia, los mejores carros, sino, sino de que el mover de Dios esté tan fuerte de que la gente pueda llegar a un arrepentimiento. Pero cuando tenemos iglesias que están en competencia, eso no existe. Porque yeah, están, exactly. hay, hay otro enfoque. Hay otro, hay otro enfoque. So, de nuevo, de nuevo, hay iglesias numéricamente grandes, pequeñas, pero en cada lugar que, 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 que estén siempre van a haber personas que van a querer estar en una iglesia pequeña o una iglesia grande. Pero eh, debemos de ser más cautelosos y saber cómo es que vamos a abrir para no lastimar las iglesias que tenemos. Yeah, it's it's an interesting system 
And I always think, you know, one of the things that weaken us, like you said, Anthony, and we've been talking about is, is it the division within our own people? Now, to counteract that, one of the things I always thought, like, we should do, um, especially here, we're very heavy on preference. Like, we want to be able to provide options to to cater to people's Mm -hmm. preference, which is not something Mm -hmm. that's, like, really, like, a, a, it's, it's a unique thing that we do here in America. Exactly. Because we have the luxury. Because we have the luxury. To, oh, let's give people excess. Let's, oh, we want people to have small churches today. So yeah. If they want to go small, we'll give them a big church. But one of the things that we, uh, that, you know, strengthens like Jehovah Witnesses and the Catholics and organization, even Muslims, is that there's one voice, one way, that's it. Do you think that we should, instead of having Assemblies of God, MEE, Southern Baptists, United Methodists, all these things, should we be moving towards an idea of there's one voice, one organization that leads all churches? And through that, I think that would also solve a lot of things. What do you think about that idea? And then I'll go with you first. The idea of of all these eliminating all these uh, denominations. I mean, in a perfect world, that's I'm sure how Jesus intended it to be. And that's how it will be in the future once he comes to consume everything together yeah it's he the issue is that he's not here right now if he was here if if we had the luxury to have him here physically this would not be an issue because everybody would be following him yeah there's not there's not there's no other person if he was here physically and that that's the issue as humans no matter how spiritual we want to try to be the flesh and the physical things are always going to have our attention because that's what we can see. That's what we can touch. That's what we can smell. So if Jesus is here physically, it wouldn't be a problem because everybody would see him. Oh yeah, this is our leader. He's God. We have to follow him. The problem is when he left, now we have the Holy spirit in us. So it depends how tuned we have our spiritual ear to the spirit and how much of our own emotion we're allowing to go in. Because if, if we think about it, that's why it's split into all these denominations. And it's because I interpret the Bible. Uh, One way. Speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is biblical. I read it and I interpret it. That speaking in tongues was for, for the apostles and them back then. But now it's not real anymore. So now... Now we're going to split and I'm going to make my own denomination and he's going to make. So in a perfect world, yes, that's how it would be. And that's how it should be. Do I think it's going to happen before Christ's return? No, because we're human and we we find every little excuse to, to create our own thing, to have our ego. Oh, I believe this. So I'm going to start a movement over here and people follow me because they believe. So I wish, but Unfortunately, with our human frailty, we're always going to be creating division, and I want a following, so you guys follow me. What, what do you What do you think yeah. of that, Pastor? I mean, Manny. The I'm, Old I'm Testament. The, it's okay. The, the Old Testament is established, you know, uh, how God was speaking with man, you know, from the creation, Abraham, Jacob. We have this story, and we're seeing how everything is being. Uh, 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 being developed, you know, but then we see Moses, you know, we see the, 
you know, that God says, okay, I need to establish rules. Hey, guys, that's why we have rules here on earth. Because if not, we'll be all over the place. You know, he started establishing rules for his people. You know, hey, this is what I need you guys to do. This is, you know, and all of that's going to create that my presence will always be present. Will always be here with you. You know, I will provide. You know, if you obey, this is the benefit. If you disobey, this is what's going to happen. You know, so everything is just started moving towards one way. Now, once we get to the New Testament, now we're seeing Jesus coming to earth and saying, Ha llegado el reino. The kingdom of God is here. So that's that's why the Pharisees were just blowing up in their heads. It's like, who is this? Mm -hmm. You know, because it was totally different. It's like, guys, you guys are speaking of what you heard. I'm speaking of what I've seen, what I know. That's totally different. You Mm -hmm. know, so, you know, he's bringing this peace. He's bringing this miracles. He's bringing so many, all these wonders. And the way he was speaking and teaching was such to a level that, a child can understand it, you know, and the way we speak, the way I preach, you know, I'm, I love to eat. I love to eat. So sometimes I bring <laughs> messages or correlations of stories in that simple term, you know, and people are like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, I mm-hmm. get this. I get that. You know, it's such a simple thing. It's simple. El Evangelio es simple, you know, but it's such a powerful. So when people started, and again, if you come to think about, all these denominations, Abel and Anthony, it all came out from the same place. It all came from that root. But unfortunately, people started having their own revelations. People started, you know, thinking about, like you were saying, well, mm, this is, this is, no me conviene. I'm thinking I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, there's denominations that believe in the Father, the Son, but do not believe in the Holy Spirit. So, hello. What, what what what's going on here? If the Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit coming, then it's part of the Holy Spirit. When it came in Acts two, there was there was a movement, hubo un hecho, un acontecimiento que fue el, sabe que fue el el derramamiento de las lenguas. So eh, that's biblical. There's so many things that is biblical, but it's people taking that out of proportion. You know, you have the Jehovah Witness. That they're faithful in their evangelism. But los cristianos, we slack on that. Mm-hmm. So the the um, Muslims, they have things that, you know, can, can complement each other. We all can complement each other. But we have so different theories, you yes. know, of this, of that. No, it's only one God. It's only one. Yes, it's only one God. But, you know, the, the, the only way through the Father is by Jesus. And it's like the only one that said it was him, ni Gandhi, ni aquel, ni el otro. Ni Buddha, nobody. Ni Buddha. It's like they're saying, I'm still looking for the truth. And he's the Mm -hmm. only one that said, hey, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. You know, so in in this society, um, having all of this is, is very difficult to really narrow down. So people have so many options of doing it. And like you said, in a perfect world, yeah. And, but I believe that La Iglesia was created to be one body. Amen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one it's, body. It's a, it's a biblical fact. Yeah. And God is coming to buscar una novia. No, no dijo novias. He's mm-hmm. coming to buscar una novia. Entonces, ¿qué pasa? La Biblia también habla de sorpresas. ¿Sabe? Nosotros no podemos juzgar a nadie donde quiera que estén. 
porque Dios es el único que conoce el corazón. Yeah, exactly. the only one that knows the inside. We can talk and we can debate. You know, I believe, me, I believe that what I was taught and what I believe in, that is the truth. That is the way to heaven. You know, that is the way to live. When right now we're not living in no hell. We're not living in in in, in el cielo. No, we're, no, no. You know, we're not in all of that. Todo eso va a llegar. Todo eso va a llegar. Pero consiste de las interpretaciones nuevamente. Yeah. Las interpretaciones que cada persona ha podido o profetas, sabe, porque tuvieron o tuvieron una revelación y tuvieron esto. Ustedes, you will never see en el Antiguo Testamento o un Elías recibiendo gran profeta proclamándose que el por él es que va a llegar la salvación. Entonces, you have so many people yeah. here that because they had a revelation or they have a, they had a moment with God, they can create Mormons. Mm -hmm. You know, they can create something. They can have this. Scientology, there's so many religions out there. You know, again, so I believe that Jesus is the only way. El cristianismo es un estilo de vida. El pentecostalismo fue un evento, ¿sabe? Y, exactly. y, y entiendo de que Cristo viene a buscar una sola iglesia. Y eso es lo que tenemos que trabajar. Y tristemente, yo, I don't, I, I don't see this happening. I don't see people just abandonando all the conceders and just creating one. Do you, but do you think it's, uh, like, so, for example, one of the things that causes it is the strive for ultimate truth. Do you think it's not, a, it's an issue of ego or an issue of, I, it, it's a hard thing because none of us have the full truth because Jesus isn't here and he left us with so much open air or basically open to interpretation. Like, for example, there's people say tongues and no tongues. Who really knows the truth is the hard part. So, yeah. So, is it an issue of, do you think it's an issue of, I mean, obviously there's greed and hunger in churches. You see this it clearly. But take that to the side. Do you think it's an issue of we are too overconfident of what we think is true? As in, like... Should we, like, for example, one of the things that have, I guess I'll be more, one of the things that, and I'll go, go to you, Anthony. One of the, the issues is, like, we clearly say speaking in tongues is right, and we would say, and a church will say it's wrong. Should we really have that stance? Because we really don't ultimately, there's some things that are very open to interpretation. So do you think mm -hmm. it's because we're too, like, oh, it's a sense of pride, but also that we overestimate what we, our own interpretation I mean, because of that, it causes that division when reality, someone like we should be able to be so willing to understand that none of us know the truth. So none of us can really say what's the right church or what's the right direction to go to. Anthony, go ahead. So, yeah, that's that's what we have to establish. The 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 divisions and the splits have come from theology. I cannot think of any division or split that's outside of theology. Whether you believe the Holy Spirit is God, that's theology. Whether you believe the Virgin Mary is at the level of God, that's theology. That's all theology, what we are understanding of what God is. And what's crazy is that in this last week or two, I've been hearing a lot of preachings and they've kept repeating this. And, um, I think it's in, yeah, in Acts. 
guess Acts 2. Anyways, around there, Acts, when it's talking about, obviously, the primitive church, which is the example of of what we should follow. Yeah. It says that, um, the, the speaking about church growth, that they grew in numbers such as God would add to the church to be saved. Yeah. But it says in the apostles' teachings. It doesn't say in the pastor's teachings, in the teacher's teachings, in the evangelist's teaching, or in the prophet's teaching. It says the apostles' teaching. Now, how what Manny mentioned like two or three minutes ago, the simplicity. We've complicated this because we want to be so deep and we want to know so much, know so much, know so much. But the like Manny said, the gospel is simple. What were the apostles preaching back in Acts? Jesus came, he died, resurrected, and he's coming back. Though, look how simple the gospel is. Jesus came, Jesus died, he resurrected, and he's coming back. That's what they were preaching. Paul, Peter, that's all they were preaching about Jesus. Jesus is God. He came, he died, resurrected, he's coming back. But we've complicated it. And we've now now we've taken the gospel and now we're adding tongues, uh, Jesus only, Virgin Mary, all these other things, Holy Spirit, real or not real, God or not God. So do you think uh, just before? So do you think yeah. in in a reality again, perfect world, we would have people of all different beliefs participating in this mixed church of people. Like maybe there'll be some people that do think your Virgin Mary is is in par. People do believe uh, tongues is wrong. Will we have all these people in one church? Do you think that's perfect world? Or in perfect world, we would have such a divine intervention that we would all end up agreeing anyways. What's your What's your point there? But but are we think are when you say perfect world, do you mean the literal perfect world that we believe in? When Jesus comes back, or are you talking about, like, just hypothetical? Well, like, what the reason why we have all this separation not only is because of theology, but it's because of the f- sin has brought us is is a natural progression of of the division. What I'm saying is, in okay, hey, let's, say, let's I guess you could say heaven. It is tented in heaven. Um, I, I guess is how you view heaven. But take that to the side. Do you think these beliefs? We could coincide. Uh, what I mean is, like, can a church coincide and exist with all these people mixed together, or is it, or is the solution to have all these people mixed together and have one church? In and if we're trying to live out what the Bible's telling us to do, or is the the strive, or the goal is to convert everyone, and there's some some ultimate divine revelations that's going to come upon, and we're all going to receive it. What what is like if we're trying to implement the Bible today? What is your what do you what do you think about that solution? What's your idea? What I would say is that in the future, in heaven, or when Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom, we're all going to be, the truth is going to be known to us. So there's not going to be any division because we're all going to know what the truth is. So there's not going to be any division. But here, in my experience now lately, I would say, yes, it can happen. For example, let's say I go to a church that doesn't have a problem baptizing Babies, younger children, not even babies, like younger, you know, eight, nine, seven, whatever. I understand. And it, it, it's all individual and our pride, whether we're, we're going to what we have to establish is that there's salvific 
issues and non-salvific issues. If it's a salvific issue, like the Holy Spirit is not God, that's completely different than what age should we baptize people. That's not going to save us or condemn us. But establishing who God is, that's obviously not on the same level. So that that's what I... If it's like little things that have nothing to do with salvation, I believe people can coexist. And like, if he doesn't believe that dancing in the spirit is cool, and I do, I believe we can still go be in the same church because that's not... You can dance in the spirit and still go to hell. And I cannot dance in the spirit and go to heaven. So that so that that would be my distinguishing factor. Is it non-salvific issues or salvific? The issue with that is what do you decide is salva- an issue of salvation or not? Because if something is causing you to sin because you're interpreted wrong, even though in quote-unquote is not a, a, an issue of salvation, that could still drive you to, to to hell with it. I mean, that's the that's the hard part to deciding what is well, so, what is and what no, isn't. If it causes you to sin, then that's the opposite of salvation. So. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, I don't know. What, what do you think, uh, Manny? Uh, do, you, do, what do you think, Manny? Yeah, the issue of, like, should we, is there some divine, can people coincide or should we coincide with people that live a complete different type of church lifestyle than us? Like, should that be something we strive for? Well, that was my point. Now now you said completely different. Well, I mean, so what I mean, completely is, a, you know, it's, 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 you know, anecdotal to you. What do you mean completely? But let's just say different, not completely. But let's just say different, yeah. different views. Can't Should that be the, the, the ideal church? Yeah. Hey. You guys are throwing left and right, so I'm trying to I'm trying to gather all my <laughs> no, yeah, it's, all my thoughts. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, all my thoughts. You know, it's um say repeat that question again because the thing is, you know, si es salvación no es salvación el pecado. Hay muchas cosas. Si tú vas a los a los frutos del espíritu, los frutos de la carne, sabes, hay muchas cosas semejantes porque dice ah, pero bailar es bueno, bailar no es malo. Si como te, te da un abroad, te da algo, y te dice, estas son las cosas que son obras de la carne, y otras cosas que, a, que aparezcan, o tales co, como esas, pues, you have to understand, that también te van a sacar. El, ¿Por qué estamos nosotros peleando de que si, si, da, si dancé o no dancé, si hablé lengua o no hablé? O sea, si hablé lengua, pues ya soy salvo, si no hablé lengua, no, no se trata de eso. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. Es el, ¿Sabes lo que se trata? Se trata de una revelación, de una experiencia. Ustedes me perdonan, ¿sabe? Mi experiencia con Dios es lo que me va a ayudar a mí a mantener y a seguir creyendo que, que, que lo que yo estoy haciendo es la verdad. No por lo que diga el hombre, no porque, por la traducción o por la teología, porque todo eso nos ayuda a entender la palabra. Nos ayuda, pero esos, esos, esos gaps que mucha gente dice se llenan cuando uno es dirigido y revelado por la por Dios. You, Hay que buscar esa revelación. Do you think it's the the issue is when uh, I'll let you uh, finish, man. Sorry to cut you off. I think the issue is that we're okay. too dependent on individual revelation. That that I think that's what the risk the risk part is with that is that if you only depend on what you your divine interpretation. 
and we don't ever lean on others, and that's where theology and all this other stuff. Or hey, our leaders. Our yeah. leaders. Let me give you perfect tattoos. People can have their opinions of tattoos. The Bible says something. But me, because if people have their opinion, no, que bueno, or no, que malo, as a divided um, opinion, you know what? I said, God, you need to speak to me. Guide me to the truth. And, and, y, buscarlo, y buscar lo que la palabra dice, y buscar lo, la, la inter, interpretación correcta, guiado por el Espíritu. But you as an individual or the leader? Well, as a leader. I know, you're saying as a leader, but let's say as a member. Should the member depend on their Even as a member. But do you depend on Even your as own? A member. Or do you listen to your leader? Or do you follow your leader? But, that's, but this is the thing. Cuando la Biblia habla de someter bajo nuestros pastores, tampoco es que te vas a someter y, y que caigan en un rico. Because you can submit, but they might be teaching something that is not correct. You know, and that's something, that's, for me, that was the only way I would allow somebody to sit down y hablar conmigo y, 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 y decir, hey, the Bible, let's go to the Bible. You know, but yeah, but, as a member, but, my, but that's my but the issue is that, that if if a member yes. let's say let's say the leader the pastor is saying something right, and you're saying oh that's not how it should be, you're oh everyone's gonna be depending on their own interpretation of how that should be. That's my that's the that's but the issue. It's, it's the way you were you were taught, Anthony. The way he was taught, the way we because all of us, us three, we're pretty much coming from the the same way we were risen with the Pentecostal. You know, so a lot of the things that we know is tradition and it's not biblical because we were we were practicing that so much that we made it a, a law just to say something. But in reality, it's not biblical. You know, there's things, you know, and, and a lot of stuff that we were taught was like, no, and there was never an explanation why they say no. So when you have when you have a generation as pastors, like a young pastors, that are not willing to sit down and you know, because you can go through a, a seminar theology school, you can go through that and prep yourself and learn, and that's very good to really know the originals and, and do do all that. But there's a lot of things that you might encounter that que pueden chocar contigo y la única the only tiebreaker es la revelación y es lo que Dios te ministre personalmente que tú sientes la paz de Dios y, yo, y así okay. me voy para uno poder decir okay vámonos por esta línea but if that's the case, if that's the case, this is my only pushback to that. We don't do that with people that speak in the Bible. We take that as truth. And those are quote unquote our major leaders. Like whatever Paul said was right. Why, why do we not do that with our own leaders? That's my question. When whatever... That's so. See, that, so yeah. that, so the, the, what you're saying is, or at least what I'm understanding is, what the pastor can say whatever he wants, but at the end of the day, it still is on the member to make sure what he's saying is correct. But if that's the case, then everyone's going to have their own version of truth because everyone's going to interpret something different. But we don't do that with the Bible. With the Bible, the people that spoke, that we should believe. Whatever they're saying is being led by the Spirit, and we should believe that our pastors are doing the same thing. Why should we even? Why should we question what the pastors is? Like, why should we bring that same questioning to the pastors if we don't do that with the Bible? It's the Bible, okay, Manuel Santo, La Biblia, the Bible. This is the truth. Yo ni le, la Biblia dice que ni le quite ni le ponga ni le añada. This is the truth. 
Now it's my job through my through my revelation, me busquen al Señor que él me ayude a interpretar la correcta. Si están los teólogos, you have different people, los comentarios bíblicos. But isn't that, what, isn't, isn't that what Paul did? Paul did the same thing. Pues, pues claro, pero ¿qué es lo que pasó? Pero so Pablo estaba question? matando. So what Paul was killing. What, so, I, what, what I'm God saying is. Him. No, what I'm saying is Paul is doing what you do every Sunday. Quote, unquote, the, the concept is Paul received interpret, divine interpretation to speak to certain people. What difference did Paul do? Yeah, that, versus, that's what I think Abel's trying. Versus what you're doing every Sunday. Why? If, if. If Paul Paul didn't Paul didn't again Paul saw Jesus you know in in Damascus on the road to Damascus, but Paul doing is technically doing exactly what you're doing every Sunday. What what a pastor does every Sunday preaching. We don't question Paul. We take him for his word, and everything he said is 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 divine. Why should we question what the pastor's preaching if they're doing the exact same thing? Why? Why do we have the right to do it to a pastor, but we don't do it to Paul? That's 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 my point. So what Abel's trying to say is excluding Jesus because we know he's God. But are we saying that Paul is more? Let's let's just say you're. Let's just use you as an example, man, because that's what Abel's trying to say. You pray. You fast. You get a, a word of, from God, and you preach. You're a minister of God. You're a pastor. Paul was an apostle. He preached. He so what he's saying is that is is Paul's word and your word equal, or is Paul or we have to follow what Paul said more, and trust our pastor less, but trust Paul more. That's what I think you're trying yeah, to say. Yeah, that's right? what I'm saying. Like if if Paul if Paul prayed to God, he received. We're doing we're doing the same thing. Shouldn't we have the equal? We should have equal authority. It's the same coming from the same source. The idea. Yeah. Yeah. La Biblia, la, la Biblia dice, the Bible says that Paul estaba sujeta a pasiones como nosotros. He had these everyday struggles, just like mm -hmm. we do. Um, la, es, es such a different time period. No hay tantas distracciones y, y lo que se estaba haciendo es se estaba abriendo el camino. No es que ya habían caminos. Ahora yo te estoy predicando y, y la gente puede decir, pero esto está verdad, esto no es verdad, lo que tú estás diciendo. You know, el mensaje de Pablo era tan crudo, la revelación era tan crudo, que él estaba haciendo el camino. Él estaba predicando, él estaba llevando, pero también nos dice de, he was doing that, but he was also going through his own humanly flesh struggles. You know, so, being that people have, you know, the ability or have options, Today, my and, and the only answer that I can give you is that men and there's men and women that preach the word of God, but you need to have the Holy Spirit or el, el don de discernimiento para saber de lo que se está enseñando y lo que se está hablando está viniendo de arriba de la revelación, lo que está o oh, está viniendo de un capricho de un hombre o algo que él escuchó y algo que él está manipulando a la gente para poder yeah, estudiar. I, de nuevo, you, you have Bible studies. You have, so if people don't come to Bible studies, if people don't have this, 
you know, these conversations, how is it that they're going to be able to learn and, and, and really take away and put in perspective the, the truth about everything and understand what is the truth? Yeah, I think it's more and more of real, I feel that it's less on the members to understand the Bible and it's more on the leaders to make sure they're speaking right. And I think that's really important when you look at the strategy of a kingdom. On a kingdom, it's not on the members to understand what the king is saying. It's just to obey. Like, there's no like, oh, did he say what he was supposed to say? And it's just like, that's it. And that, that's that's it. <laughs> so I think it's one of those things where, like, because we're we're in a democracy, we 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 are such empowered individuals. We have a different yeah, point. We of have a, we're so empowered. We feel like, oh, I need to make sure what he said was right. But if if it's from God, it's not to you to it's not for you to question. It's from God. That that's it. I mean, obviously, just like in Jesus' time, there's false preachers and false prophets. That's a fact. There's always going to be people that speak things wrong, but I don't think more and more I feel like as I've grown and kind of read the Bible, I feel like it's it's less on the members to question it, but more just accept it as a decree. And that's from the Lord. Obviously, when it comes to when it comes to discernment, I think the discernment is not that what he said was true or what is wrong. I think the discernment to know if it's from God, if it's from God or not. That's all like the discernment is needed. Yeah. Por su fruto lo conoceréis. It doesn't matter who you are. You will know if a man is from God or a woman is from God is by their fruits. By their fruits. What do you think, Anthony, about the whole thing? That's why, I mean, what, what you were just explaining is why we see other groups of religious... So organized. So organized. For example... You got the Pope. His status is so high that whatever he says, that's what the Catholics follow. Because they believe he's he received revelation from God and he's connected with God and they respect him so much that whatever he says, the the umbrella of Catholic of Catholicism follows. Same thing with the Muslims. Muhammad, whatever Muhammad said, it doesn't matter what branch of Muslim, they all follow yeah. in unison. So that that's the problem we've had. Like I said, if if Jesus was alive now, piece of cake. We would go if he said this, this is what we do. There wouldn't there wouldn't be a confusion. Because he's here, he said, uh Go, you can only fish. If he was here, I saw him on tape, on camera, on the news. He said, only eat fish. Easy. Everybody's eating fish. But since he's not here, and like I said earlier, we've been given the Holy Spirit. But I may say the Holy Spirit told me, but it wasn't really the Holy Spirit. It was my flesh and my mind and the enemy making me think it was the Holy Spirit that told me that. But it's my emotion. That I led myself to say, nah, the Holy Spirit told me I can eat pig, so I'm gonna eat pig. Yeah, I mean that's regardless yeah, of, that happens a lot with clothes. So, so, yeah, so the that's the problem because we're so divided. It comes back down again to the division part. If as Christians we had one voice, one leader, it would be easy. Yeah, but we have so many denominations. And, yeah, I, I think it's it's I think it's it's. Uh, uh, an issue of luxury because you don't see this mm -hmm. 
because we have so much time on our hands and so much peace or quote unquote peace in our in our lives, we're able to argue about these little things. And because of that, we make them bigger than they are. And then we we take autonomy, and especially in America, we take autonomy in our own decisioning. And that's why, like, you know, like with clothing and all this stuff, we could clearly say see certain things are wrong. But if we're saying it's open interpretation, I could interpret something else or like when it comes to drinking, when it comes to, you know, drugs or certain things like that, you know, if if we allow people to test what we say, I mean, if we don't forget, we know it's it allows people to justify their own actions through their own interpretation. I think that's the risky part it is that. Um, yeah, just just uh, shifting. Gear. Go like real quick, like Manny was saying, it's about um, and you. You, you just touched on it too is the not only the distractions but the because of the advancement of technology and everything how much time we have in our hands we have to remember in the new testament after jesus ascended holy spirit and all all that time these people are under persecution they don't have time to to discuss oh the holy spirit is god and the, you think no yeah. all they have time is to accept jesus and maybe three days later, they're coming to kill them. And throw, like, they didn't have time for, they didn't have yeah. the luxury of time and technology. They were being persecuted. So it was like, who knows the average amount of time people were Christians before they were dead? Like, I, I just imagine. Yeah. A, let's, let's just say a, you were, because of the persecution, the longest you could be a Christian is three months and they were already killing you and sending you to the Coliseum to get eaten by. So they didn't have time to, to do all this. Yeah, it was just Jesus is God. He he died for your sins. Accept them, and that's it. So yeah, it's it's big, that's the big issue: distractions, time in their hand to to fight and go back and forth with all these things. That yeah, yeah. Just shifting gears real quick, uh, Pastor um, Manny, have it. Um, do have you been keeping up with uh, what's happening right now with the uh, situation in Israel? I've been on and off. Um, with the situation, um, it's just uh, pretty sad, just in general, with with everything that's going on, you know. Uh, but again, if we bring it into what we're been speaking, you know, we all understand that all of this tiene que pasar. Rumores de guerra, guerra, sabe todo esto son señales. Eh, eh, aquí lo que uno tiene que estar es Simplemente preparado para cualquier cosa. And I believe a lot of people are using this as like, oh, you're going to hell, hurry up, Jesus is coming, the war. It's like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you you need to maintain yourself for whatever whatever happens. But uh, in general, it's just concerning. And it's just telling me that, hey, Jesus is real. He is coming. Just make sure you have everything in order, just in case it could happen tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it's uh, real quick. I think the biggest issue one, it's hard because we're so we're so sheltered here in America, so we don't really experience the reality of the burdens of of of, of life. You know, these people uh, talking to Anthony before this. People, I mean, obviously, if you look at history, Israel's been in war like since the inception of israel in the promised land like it's been part of their daily you know history um 
but I think the issue what's happening now, um, especially as Christians, is is the the side selection. I think is the is the most scary part, at least as Americans. Um, and I think one of the issues us as specifically American Christians, I'm gonna focus on, is that we 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 allow our political beliefs to bleed into our 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 Christian our Christian stances. And like for example, people are pro Israel and pro this war where this war is causing to kill innocent children, innocent uh, people. Mm-hmm. And I think as Christians, our our idea shouldn't be, we, we shouldn't be pro anything that kills innocent or, or innocent people. And I think it's our, our biggest issue as Americans, we do this when we vote, you know, oh, you know, oh, we vote Republican, all these things. We get, we allow our political beliefs to bleed into our, our Christian stances. And that causes us to, to say things or, or stand on things or support things that we really shouldn't be supporting. And Anthony, I'll, I'll kind of leave it to you or with, the, with that as well. Well, we have to, we have to make the distinction because we got to be careful of categorizing. First of all, we got to, we have to establish just because we're pro Israel or anybody's pro Israel doesn't mean they're pro war. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, if, mm-hmm. if there was if there was a way, if there was a way to do it without war, I'm pretty sure most people are not going to choose war unless you're psychotic or, or psych, you know. So we have to remember, as Christians, our faith is an adaptation, or how do I explain it? Is an adaptation to to the Jewish religion. The Christian God and the Jewish God is the same God. They just got they got left behind and didn't continue with Jesus. The only reason we know of 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 Jesus and Jehovah is because of of the Jewish religion. So, if we think about it, they're kind of like our stepbrothers. If we think about it, right? They're they're the children of 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 God. They're the the people of God. Through adoption, exactly. Through adoption, because of their blindness that God gave them, we are now adopted into that. We're grafted. The Bible says we're grafted. So I I say all that to say is that we're, as Christians, we're always going to be on Israel's side. Yeah. Regardless. In Israel's, I guess. Yeah. There's there's no way to to there's no way to you know it's hard you how are you gonna separate you know as a Christian how are you gonna separate be like then we're just we're gonna we're gonna be a technically by going against Israel we would be an enemy of God if the Bible says it through if we think about it is. Israel has never lost a war. God always provided, even if they got exiled. The problem is that mainstream people and they only go back to World War One. That's as far back as they go. But we as believers, we know there's more history. They just don't want to go into that history because it's in the Bible. And they don't want to acknowledge the Bible because they don't believe the Bible is true. So. We have the 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 ability through the Holy Spirit through the Scripture to know that there's more history 
but they ignore it because they don't want to believe in the Bible. But we know, as you just said earlier, this battle has been going on since the Old Testament. This is not new. Yeah, I think the... I see it as I see it as a as a as a war that spanned thousands of years. This is just the most recent battle of that war. Yeah, but I I think one of the things that Jesus did is progresses our response and how we we deal with cal- calamity. And I think what the Israel's response is to the obviously the tr- atrocities of what happened and what Hamas did. I don't think the responses uh the res- to do the to do the to, to do wrong in, in what they're doing and i think it's it's appropriate to call wrong what's wrong and i think killing innocent people no matter if it's the israelites doing or whoever's doing it i think jesus has called us to have value for everyone's life and i think mm-hmm. that's the and it's it's a hard thing because obviously we're talking about a, such a, a high level of ideas i mean obviously what hamas did causes a national response and if the if the prime minister was just like, oh, we're just gonna pray for them, obviously that would it'll be an uproar of, of that. So there's some sort of like financial and logistical burdens for him to go for war. But I think in as Christians, again, I obviously there's much more layers to. But like American Christians, when we when we pray, oh, you know, you know, seeing the rhetoric on uh, rhetoric on Facebook and stuff like that, it's not. I don't think it should be pro-Israel. I think I, I really truly believe. I think our 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 prayer should be for the people that attacked because they're obviously lost and need Jesus, just as much as they need Jesus. The Israelites need Jesus, just as much as they need Jesus. The people that they're killing need Jesus. All of us need Jesus. Yeah. And I think yeah. our our prayer and our beliefs shouldn't be like, oh, we need to pray for it. we need to pray for everyone that's in that issue, not just that. And we should value every single person that's there. Mirabel. Let's be clear. Echale la culpa a Abraham y a Sara. You know, Sara por, por, yeah. por, por, por poner la, no, la, la sirvienta y salió Ismael. You know, so no, a lot of the, the, the decisions that happened in that time, looking what's happening now. So Israel siempre ha estado en guerra. Siempre, siempre, de que conocemos el establecido de la, de la Biblia. Hemos visto Israel siendo guerreado, pero siempre Dios sale a la defensa porque son su gente, el pueblo escogido de Dios. Ahora, yo como, como creyente, I step back and analyze that. Y no vamos a decir como un buen boricua, la culpa la tienes tú, te lo dije, no hiciste caso, el hijo de la promesa era esto. No, no, that. It's not about that. What's done is done. The Bible mm-hmm. teaches us to say, hey, ora por la paz de Israel. Yes, eso hay que tenerlo en claro, que hay que orar por la paz de Israel. Pero también hay un mandato que Dios nos dio, predicar el evangelio a todo el mundo, a toda criatura. So, esa gente también necesita la misericordia de Dios. Everybody in the world needs, uh, uh, you know, Christians to pray, not only for Israel, but pray for Gaza. Pray for, I mean, everybody, so that they can come to know the truth. You know, I, I don't, I don't think about, oh, que se cese la guerra, porque va a haber guerra. Esto es algo de nuevo. Para mí, my opinion, la guerra va a estar. No matter, pueden cesar, puede haber ceasefire, pero la Biblia nos establece y al final de cabo va a haber, en, en, eh, va a haber un, un, una, una moneda, que eso es otro tema, ¿sabe? va a haber un reinado, sino el anticristo, all that stuff, va, todo eso va a estar. 
So, nuestro trabajo ahora que estamos aquí en la tierra es orar por la humanidad, orar por la gente, la, la gente que están tristemente siendo hostages, you know, people are dying, people, you know, uh, um, casualties of war, you know, everybody needs to pray, and we just need, we can't just pray for one, we need to pray for, for everyone. Mm. It's, it's one of those things where, like, I think it's, again, focusing on just us in here in America, I think it's one of the things that's risky is that, obviously, eventually, Everywhere in the world, there's going to be chaos. If we believe what the Bible is saying, there's going to be war across across the world. What is our our response should be consistent across either we're abroad and it's not affecting us physically or if there's war here in America. I think war is a two sided effort. There needs to be I attack you and now I'm attacking you back. And as Christians, we could stop that and not respond with respond with violence to violence. If it happens here in America, we as Christians, I mean, obviously, whatever non-believers do, they do. But as Christians, if it happens like happens here in America, I don't think, like for example, if we go, I could even say 9/11, which a lot of people are are, are correlating this to. I don't think as Christians we should be pro responding with violence to those actions. I think as Christians, we should truly not respond. We were called to not respond in violence after even when Jesus came, and I think. Uh, the idea of war happening is a two-sided effort, and I think as if we invest in more the idea of, of of peace, I think that truly shows and illuminates God, despite how much consequence we might uh, receive by giving up our lives, our status, or whatever it might be. And I think it's obviously hard because we're not. It's easy to say when I'm over here and I'm not being affected by it, but um, I think if if we if we I think the Bible calls it to that no matter how hard it is. And I think that's the hardest, probably one of the hardest part when it's, it affects you uh, physically. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, that's the problem with being Christians is that we understand that we're on the side of Israel. We got to defend them. But we have to remember that they're still in the Old Testament. For them, an eye for an eye is the standard. For <laughs> us, we know because we follow Jesus, you don't, that, that doesn't exist anymore. But for them, an eye for an eye is still how it works. So that's another thing we have to remember is they're living under a, a different, the old set of rules, and we're, yeah. we're in a new set of rules. So no matter how much we want to defend them, we need to remember we don't work. We don't. We don't work that way anymore. Yeah. An eye for an eye. We. That's not how we roll anymore because we're Christian now. So it's, it's, it's turning. It's turn tough. the cheek. Turn the yeah. cheek. Yeah, it's. I exactly. mean, it's, so it's hard. It's it's hard, and 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 reality. That's that's not gonna happen until Jesus comes. But, um, yeah, it's. Yeah. I think. Uh, you know, for anyone, anyone listening, I think our our prayers should not be biased, but our prayers should be free for all. Everyone needs Peace it. Yeah. Hamas, the people that did the the terrorist attacks, they need Jesus more than ever. The the people that are responding to that need Jesus. I mm -hmm. think. Our solution to everything, like uh, like we always say, Jesus is the answer to everything. So, um, I just wanted to mention that because I think it's uh, important as Christians we 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 go through it here in America to really uh, have an appropriate response. Um, and obviously we're not geo, not we're not to react emotionally, yeah, not yeah. to react emotionally, and not to react emotionally, and uh, have political bias. And obviously we're not geopolitical experts here that uh know exactly how to mm -hmm. do the the political response. But I think. The simple way we could respond is just with our prayers and, and our stance. 
and how we, how we talk to our coworkers about it, how we talk to our friends about it, how do we talk to our family about it? And I think if if we if we drive it through 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 love, I think that would be the the easiest thing. Love and peace. Yeah. Love and love and peace. Love and peace. We're hippies now. <laughs> but um, Manny, uh, just kind of want to say um, thank you for joining. Um, I know you got a, a lot of uh, you know new journey ahead of you. Uh, so excited to see what happens there. Um, yeah. So just just thanks for joining. Uh, for people that are listening. Uh, Feel free to leave comments. Uh, feel free to leave some questions. Uh, like we always say, me and Anthony, we do not have all the answers. And the goal for this podcast yep. is not um, to only talk about new ideas and uh, or develop ideas and uh, talk about topics, but it's also for us to learn. So it's it's an idea. It's a space for us to be able to question. It's a space for us to be able to uh, speak as a community because together is when we find God even more. So leave a comment. Um, leave a question and we'd love to be able to hear from you and, and interact with you. Manny, again, thanks for joining. And as usual, as able, uh, 